Thought maybe you boys might be interested in putting on a big time wrestling bout. You know, make a nice hunk of dough for yourself. It's time to fight! Santa? Yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. Morgan, you're out of here. You don't have the right temperament for the trade. You're a dead man. What am I supposed to do? There's always barber college. Frankie, I know you're a great wrestler, but my brother, who ain't as handsome as you, is as strong as Charles Atlas. Yeah, but I've wrestled women that are bigger than him. Sure, you got fat, sloppy women. Hello and welcome to Camel Clutch Cinema, the podcast where we talk about movies that star wrestlers or have wrestling in them. I'm Guy Hutchinson. And I'm Craig Cohen. On this episode, we are talking about Endgame. And uh, before we get started, be forewarned, as always, that this discussion will be chock full of spoilers. Oh, dear. <laughs> so Why we watched... Endgame? Why? <laughs> So we watched what has to be, I, I'd imagine, uh, like uh, some kind of rough cut that you got a hold of. <laughs> I, this is such a strange, strange movie. Uh, this it's movie, like the work print or something. It feels like it. I mean, it's it, this movie, I'll say right off the bat, this is one of the most amateurish films I've ever seen in my life. It's shocking that, that and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get to his full bio and do the whole introduction, but Kurt friggin' Angle is in this. For all his problems today, Kurt Angle is probably the greatest uh, amateur to professional wrestler ever. He's one of the, he's certainly a, a Hall of Fame caliber wrestler. He's one of the greatest of all time. And yet this movie here. <laughs> December 1st, 2009, this came out straight to DVD, I'm sure. Not the only movie named Endgame from 2009, by the way. Oh, wow. Uh, William Hurt and Johnny Lee Miller starred in a film called Endgame, which sounds a whole lot better than this. A story based on the covert discussions that brought down the apartheid regime in South Africa. That film got a respectable 6.1 on IMDb, but our Endgame gets a 1.7 out of 10. And you know what? At least that plot rundown... The title Endgame makes sense for it. Yeah. Yeah, this was uh, originally called The Stranglehold Killer. And at some point they said, now nah, we'll change it to Endgame, which just sounds like a TNA pay-per-view. <laughs> it had to have been a TNA pay-per-view, right? TNA Endgame. You know what? We shouldn't give uh, WWE a pass on that. They would They would also oh. do that. Oh, that could have totally been an in-your-house. <laughs> Uh, it might be. Hold on. Let's see. Yeah. Well, well, didn't they do like Deadly Game? Yeah, I know. They definitely did Deadly Game. Uh, but let's see. In your house, end game. <laughs> end game. Let's see if it is here. Show me end game. No, no. Uh, it never happened. But boy, if it had only. Oh, dear. Well, tell me about the director of this movie. Directed by a gentleman named Bruce Kohler, who also directed a movie that I know we're both looking forward to watching called River of Darkness, starring Kurt Angle, Kevin Nash, and Psycho Sid. 
That is awesome. <laughs> the The writer on this, I initially wrote down his name was James McCarthy, but I found out it's not. His name is McCartney James. Mm -hmm. uh, this is his only credit as a anything. His only credit as a writer and, and the only uh, only McCartney James I found on the Internet. I, uh, and I'd imagine that that is some kind of pseudonym. Yeah. Um, or something, because I, I, I doubt anybody wants to take credit for this. We now let's let's back up and tell the story about this movie. We came across this a number of years ago, probably in December of 2009 mm -hmm. at a, at a Best Buy. And I love going to Best Buys with you and, and my other friends that likes like movies because you kind of go through the shelves and you say, hey, did you ever see that? Oh, look, this has this guy in it. Mm -hmm. And we came across this and we're both like, hey, look, Kurt Angle did a movie. <laughs> and I remember picking it up and being like, huh, and, you know, putting it down and being like, uh, maybe. And then reading the description and being like, you know, this could be fun. You know, it might be, it's not going to be, uh, you know, Oscar caliber performance, but it, you know, might be on the level of like a WWE film, maybe a little lower budget. Yeah. And we watched this and, and it was bad. <laughs> and, and then we didn't watch it again until the other day. And it, it got worse somehow during that time. Yeah, I don't know if the upgrade in in my set from you know twenty seven inch tube to you know um, widescreen high def plasma. Right, maybe that. Uh, so yeah, so the quality claws. of your TV made the made the film worse. <laughs> At least from a, a I mean, a, they, they didn't film this. This wasn't filmed for theatrical. No, this was yeah, this was uh, filmed. But you know what? But I don't think that's it because yes, this film was shot on some kind of video. And it looks like video, the focus and everything, which mm -hmm. makes you think you're watching like a, I don't know, a TV commercial or maybe even a soap opera, but not a movie. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's not that. There there are shots in this movie that linger an extra three or four seconds after everything is done. There are scenes where they'll cut from one person to the next and the audio, you'll hear a difference in audio as mm -hmm. it was recorded on a different day. And on, on day one, there was a heater humming in the background. You know, there's there's just scenes in this movie that just don't make any sense to me. Yeah, if I ever needed to explain to, like, my mom what the sound effects or the sound designer did on a movie, I would give her Endgame and say, watch any scene from this movie to see what a sound designer or a sound effects editor or somebody, you know, any any sound guy is supposed to do on a movie. This, uh, this movie was... Um, supposed to be like this. Uh, there's a movie called Transmorphers that mm -hmm. uh, Asylum put out. And I watched it. And what I found out was that they made a mistake and they put out the temp audio track, not the final cut of the oh, audio. No. And so sound effects were missing. And mm -hmm. it made the film so laughably bad. <laughs> this movie felt like this. And this was the final cut. Yes, that's why I want to believe that we somehow got our hands on an ultra rare special work print of the movie. Kurt Angle, uh, obviously Olympic gold medalist, uh, four time WWE champ, IC champ, tag champ, European champ, hardcore champ, king of the ring champion. I mean, this is mm -hmm. an amazing athlete. He was a one time WCW champ when uh, WWE owned the WCW. He's a five time TNA champ and uh, just a guy with, with one of the most storied careers you could have. 
Yeah, he he what won the Olympic gold medal with a, a, a nearly fractured neck. Yeah, he had a broken, broken neck. neck. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yes, he he did, and and just was was an amazing powerhouse. Uh, did an appearance on ECW in 1996, which he was so offended by the product that he threatened to sue them if they aired his appearance. And then he went on three more years before he debuted in the WWE, which I remember it being kind of laughable at the time that his name was Angle because you think of wrestling angles. And so it just, you know, made me giggle that they could be like, well, you know, Mark Henry's going to be in this match with Kurt Angle. So we're going to have Mark and in this angle with Angle and (laughs) all the Marks will watch Mark in this angle with Angle. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, do you remember when he was the Euro Continental Champion? Oh, yeah. He took great, great pride in, in that uh, in that European title. His character was so great. He had uh, some epic matches with, with Eddie Guerrero, some very good matches with Brock Lesnar, mm-hmm. some a lot of title runs, and just was so exciting to watch. And, you know, just did suplexes like nobody else, you know, did mat wrestling, you know, like you couldn't believe and just was such a, a compact, you know, perfect wrestling specimen. Oh, oh, yeah. Hands down. I mean, he was really, really something special. In uh, 2006, he went over to ECW and they started calling him the wrestling machine and he would wear that uh, that mouthpiece and, and, and just beat everybody as quickly as he could. Uh, debuted over in TNA later that year and became the godfather of the TNA main event mafia, which was right around the time of this movie. Mm-hmm. Tell me about Jenna Maraska. Did you watch Survivor? No, um, but it's my understanding she was on one of the early seasons. I think she may have been the first one. She uh, also is the youngest Survivor winner ever. And uh, uh, I don't know much about her other than that she was in TNA. Yeah, well, and and she was made famous for her appearance – in the opening titles of the Botchamania Internet oh, series, yes. the, yeah, she had a she had a, a match against Charmel at Victory Road that that she won, but uh, there was just it was just such a bad match. I mean, it's like an unwatchably bad match. She so she made her debut March two thousand nine. So this would have probably been after they filmed this movie, yeah. uh, based on some interviews I've read. But before this movie was finally just shoved out on DVD. At some point, I guess they were like, maybe we can get a theatrical release. Uh, but she made her debut in TNA. Uh, she was in backstage segments, and then they revealed that uh, that she was funding the main event mafia. Yes, she was using her Survivor winnings to fund it. She thought that was a good investment. (laughs) Yes. Um, So she would always fight with Charmel, and then they had their match where, as Mafu of Botchamania says, she sold like death. Uh, (laughs) A very ridiculous match. I did find an interview with her on a website called So Divalicious, and she talked about this. Okay. How did the opportunity to enter TNA arise? And Jenna says, well, I did a movie called Endgame with one of their stars, Kurt Angle, and he suggested that I go meet the team at TNA. So I flew down to Florida and met with everyone and loved them. The rest is history. What do you think she means by love them? (laughs) One by one or all at the same time? Goodness. Kurt was really great to work with on the movie. He plays a really great villain. What role did you play? 
I play the role of a victim, but I was a fighter. Did the movie-making process help you in any way when you were working with TNA? I had done a few movies before Endgame with Kurt, so I would say all the movies helped me with the scenes on TNA. Wow, so we have something else we can blame Endgame for. She refers to scenes in wrestling, number one. Number two, (laughs) she goes out of her way to be like, eh, I didn't learn a lot from Endgame. It was, uh, I had other movies as well. Let's not not pin it down to just Endgame. Uh, Why don't you give us a plot summary, Craig? There was a plot. Uh, Okay, vicious criminal Brad Mayfield, WWE star Kurt Angle, takes pleasure in kidnapping, assault, and deranged murder. It is up to Officer Dan Burke to stop his lust for blood. The stakes of the game quickly rise when Burke becomes romantically involved with a beautiful woman who happens to be Mayfield's next victim. When Burke's girlfriend and his daughter are kidnapped, the case goes from just a job to a race against time to save his family. I uh, pulled up the Amazon reviews on this. Oh. Here are some of the reviews from Amazon. Really bad movie, says Shannon James. Outstandingly cheesy, lame and pathetic, immeasurably bad, says Mad Max. The worst movie I have ever seen, said City Card 1. I I think they were all too kind. (laughs) Kurt uh, did an interview with FilmInReview.com, and and they uh, asked him about the films that he had done. And at the time, he was promoting one of his bigger budget films. Uh, And he said, I started doing smaller films. I did one called Endgame. It's not exactly an A film. It's a film where I had a lead role in which I played a serial killer. They wanted me to play the police officer, the guy in charge of the investigation, but I thought that he was one-dimensional. So I asked to play the serial killer because he seemed to have many different personalities. The film is okay. I enjoyed doing it. Now, I know when we were watching this, we had the discussion about how great it would have been if Kurt had decided to play both roles. Yes, yes, indeed. <laughs> he could have. Why not? You know, if I, I was the director, I would have been like, yeah. Kurt, you can play every role. You yeah. can play the Jenna Maraska role, you can do that. <laughs> I uh, My favorite moment when we were watching the film was we're both really scratching our heads about how bad this movie is. And you mm-hmm. look over at me, you said, but you you found that interview with him. And I said, yeah, you said, so he must have been doing press for this. So I guess they did a press tour. And I was like, are you out of your mind? <laughs> just the concept of a press tour being initiated for Endgame just struck me as so bizarre. Yeah. I, I literally was like, maybe, would you like someone to drive you home? Is everything all right? Yeah, I definitely think I might have been a little punch drunk from the movie. So we start out at the Hotel Lafayette, which is uh, in Sharpsburg, PA, just outside of Pittsburgh. Yeah, like, and it starts with this insanely choreographed, like, crane move where you come up from the sign to Kurt. Um, and you can only imagine how many takes they, they wasted doing this unimpressive shot. Well, but at the, sa- at the same time, you're thinking, wow, they're actually they're thinking about things here. Yeah, what, what's interesting is later in the movie, after uh, the opening scene, there's a daylight scene also at the hotel, and the camera's up there again. <laughs> so I guess they... They really, you know, like they they went all out on this shot, you know, and and they set it up and they did it, you know, daytime. They did it nighttime. Uh, But other than that, there's not a lot of um, there's not a lot of creative shots in this movie. Well, you know what? I I think when you start with that shot, you say, hey, we got that out of the way. Yeah. So um, 
We start off with Kurt talking to, having sex with, and then killing a hooker. This is this is the opening of your this is your American hero. This is Kurt Angle, who recently got another DUI. Uh, uh. This this is him. Uh, and we don't usually do this, but I felt it was necessary that we actually listen to this. So if uh, if if everybody just sit back and enjoy this, this is uncut the actual audio from the movie. Why don't you take me to a nice hotel for once, Alex? It's cheap. And when they find your body, they'll wonder, what's a beautiful girl like you doing in a place like this? Don't joke around. You know, I don't like it when you talk like that. Watch it, honey. You're starting to sound like a wife. <laughs> it only it almost feels like a rehearsal. Yeah, yeah. God, dude, you have such a beautiful ass. <laughs> I love it when you call me beautiful. Why don't you come back to bed? I want to take a few pictures first. <laughs> it's, I mean, it sounds like Kurt's just reading them. Yeah, like the audition. Yeah. Look how long they take on this. There's so many scenes like this. We literally see him go over, pick up the camera, walk back, take okay. pictures. <laughs> so, tell me. Who's this disgusting old man that I saw you with tonight? What? Remember what we said? Tell me. No lies. Jeff Jarrett. He's only my sponsor. The sponsor? Yes. He pays for my dance lessons. And what else? Sometimes he helps me with the rent when I'm short. Mm -hmm. And what's this sponsor's name? Why do you want to know? Well, <laughs> I want to know if he gets you off the way I do. For Christ's sakes, don't be disgusting. All you have to do is tell me his name. <sighs> Bergman. Richard Bergman. Ugh. Now, is that so hard? Now that we got that little piece of business out of the way, <laughs> I got something special for you tonight. You ever been handcuffed before? No. Quite fun. <laughs> Does it hurt? Yes, it hurts. I don't think I like this. Oh, relax. Mm. How about this? That is enough. <laughs> you like that? It's enough. I can't take any more. I, I will tell you that if you get the DVD, you do get to see her and her do it for like another minute. Yeah, it's like that standard, like almost celebrity sex tape uh, oh. shot, you know, with uh, uh, oof. Yeah, it's... I mean, I got to tell you, if somebody leaked this on the internet, they could really fool people into thinking that there was a Kurt Angle sex tape. <laughs> so we then, after this, the the cops come in, they find the hooker dead. They're like, oh, we're, we got to find out who did this. And then Kurt impersonates a cop and comes back to Jenna Maraska. And I, you got to hear this as well. 
Hello, Miss Peterleg. Do you have any idea what time it is? Do you hear that? You hear I'm like sorry. the audio change? Detective Fisher, homicide division. May I come in, please? Homicide? <laughs> yes, may I come in? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, come in. Thank you. Because they shot his scene on one day, hers on another. Yeah. Listen to the squeaky floor. <laughs> Thank you. You might want to sit down. I'm afraid I have some bad news for you. <laughs> Your roommate, Beatrice, was murdered. We found her earlier this morning. She was found in a flea bag hotel downtown. I'm sorry. Uh, Miss Benderlake, uh, I'm a little pressed for time. I'm looking for evidence for the case. Do you know if Beatrice had any diaries, any phone books, anything like that? Um, uh, she had some stuff in, in the top drawer, bedroom. Is this her? Boom, here he yes. goes. And he's dressed sort of like the thing from the Fantastic Four when he goes out in public. Yeah, he's got that hat, he's got a little prosthetic makeup, and he's got, like, a little bit of fat added to him, like a pillow here and there. This this squeaky floor should have its own credit. Yeah, it's throughout the movie. My God! I mean, it is it is the squeakiest floor I've ever heard in a film. And this also, we should probably talk about, I know what bothered me a lot was the apartment, the apartment that everybody lived in. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody had any sense of personality in their apartment and Jenna's apartment in particular looked like it belonged to her aunt or something. It really, it really feels like that. Um, we get another wonderful scene in this apartment. This is one of like three locations used in the film where the cops show up and I want everybody to hear this. Kurt is not in this scene, but the cop, you pointed this out, sounds just like Shawn Michaels. <laughs> So I want everybody to, to take a good listen. Listen to this scene. Do you mind if we come in? Sure. Squeak, squeak. <laughs> oh, that was fast. What do you mean by fast? The other cop, he just left. You must have passed him on your way in, right? She must be talking about that fat guy we just passed in the lobby. Yeah, the fat guy, he said his name was Bishop. He told me that B was murdered. Check the blinds. <laughs> Son of a bitch. He's gone. He came for her stuff. What stuff? Um, phone book, scrapbook, diary, stuff like that. Did I screw up or something? Get what? What kind of cop would say that? He would run out the door, he'd put out an APB, he'd be on the walkie-talkie, he'd be running. Yeah. <laughs> Did I screw up or something? It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. I mean, this movie is just asinine. Yeah. All right, so we then see Kurt take off the makeup. We see the cop talking to his wife. He tucks in his kid. Yeah, no, uh, that's another thing. Um in the plot rundown and I think later in the in the in the movie, I don't think it's ever talked about, but every reference I've seen to the the woman he lives with, it's not his wife, it's his girlfriend. Ah, interesting. I just Which, assumed it was his wife. So did I, but um the you know the the, the plot so rundown and it's her and I think kid. They don't. They don't explain it. Yeah. Okay. So I, I think I understand this now. I, I just assumed. 
mm-hmm. that it was, you know, his wife and his kid, you know, him yeah. and him and the wife's kid. But that may make sense because he's kind of not cold to the kid, but he almost refers to the kid as if it's only his wife's kid. And yeah. that would make sense if, if he's her stepfather. Uh, but he seems to be a good stepfather, tucks her into bed and then goes and has an inane, badly staged conversation with her. And then we cut to the successful businessman, Craig. Oh, this is one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Well, let's listen to this as well. This is a successful businessman who also has a connection to the hooker that uh, was killed by Kurt Angle's character. And this is also probably where we get uh, arguably the best production values in the whole movie. It looks really good. I I don't know what the reason is, but everything looked really good. Uh, The acting is a little weird, and uh, especially from the driver. Just take a listen. Must be as if I never knew her, never had anything to do with her. I see what you mean, but how's that possible? By searching her apartment and finding anything that might connect us. Mr. Bergman, you're a <laughs> successful businessman. Me, I'm just a driver. Giving exposition. I think you should go to the police. I mean, look what happened to Nixon when he tried to cover up Watergate. A little political. That's <laughs> weird. I have no choice, JJ. Yeah. I know somebody that might help us. He worked for the CIA. How about making contact with your friend? (laughs) Your friend from the CIA. Yes. And this also is what it leads to another scene. But this is basically a useless subplot in the movie. Yes. It, well, yeah, it is. I mean, I, it is. You know what? It's it's very useless to uh, cut ahead and we'll get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy gets murdered by Kurt, which actually goes against his M.O. as a killer. Exactly. Yeah, it is. It's. I think it was just that's the actor they had. The guy was like, my uncle really wants to be in the film. Yeah. Uh, we can we'll make him a man. successful businessman. <laughs> and he's got a limo. That's right. You know, I love that old cliche. He's he's rich, so he's in a limo. (laughs) So uh, we see Jenna at her dance class. The cop talks to the instructor. The uh, the guy from the CIA is hired to break into the apartment. The old man guard goes to a diner to order some eggs. Yeah, yeah, usual. The uh, the apartment is unguarded. This goofball tries to break in and gets caught, and 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 Jenna Maraska stabs him in the hand. And then there's a funeral, and we get to see one of the greatest greatest wigs ever. And Kurt has worn a wig in the WWE after he got his head shaved. Yes, uh, but this this totally tops it in this funeral clip. And take a listen to this. So how are you? I'm okay. How are you, sir? As good as I can be, I guess. So how well did you know Beecher's? I am a good friend of the family. (laughs) Brilliant acting. Do you mind if I ask you for some identification? Because I'm the heartbreak kid. (laughs) Excuse me, sir. I'm a little offended. We're in a funeral home. I said some identification, please. In terms of funeral homes, I got to say, you know, from a production standpoint, the, like, funeral home that, like, the WWE would put together for a vignette well, no, looks they, that 100 was a, times better than this. 
Well, that was well. Okay, yes, possibly. I, I'm confused about the funeral home scene because they have a real coffin, yeah. and I assume that's not easy to just get a coffin. So my guess is you probably have to at least go to a coffin store to yeah. shoot this scene. WWE uh, behind the scenes story on the Katie Vick scene was that there was a funeral going on next door as Triple H was doing that. A real Somebody had died, and was, they were burying their loved one. And, and meanwhile, on the other side of the wall, Vince McMahon's going, now get in the coffin with her, Triple H. Oh, that's great. Now put on the cane mask. Oh, goodness. I wonder what they paid that funeral home, and if to this day they regret taking the money. So um, so after Kurt uh, gives him the ID, he then runs away. So now the, the cops know who Kurt is. Uh, they, they have his ID. He kills the successful businessman. And then we get this interrogator who looks like somebody's mom. <laughs> yes. And it's not a character we've been introduced to before. It's the first time seeing her. And she's sitting down at a at a table yeah. grilling this guy. She's, and, and she's grilling driver. And she just looks she's in her mid 50s. She mm-hmm. looks and sounds like somebody's mother. She yeah. doesn't come off like a cop to me. You, yeah. you would never buy this. And she's just like, you know, so what'd you do next? <laughs> Come on, you got to tell me. I'm a cop. And Burke, the the lead cop, he had a partner in the beginning when they went to Jenna's apartment. They had like a black partner who disappears for the rest of the movie until the end. Yeah, that's exactly what happens. He couldn't come in. So the director's mom sat down and and decided to play cop for some reason. Uh, Kurt then starts the end game. He calls the cops. He he says – you know, hey, you can find me if you come over here. You know, here I am. Just mm-hmm. come and get me. And then uh, we we get to see Jenna Maraska stripping. It's probably the least sensual strip <laughs> sequence in a movie I've ever seen. Well, it certainly is no uh, scene from The Wrestler. I'll yeah. tell you. It's nothing like Marissa Tomei. No. We do get some dubbed-in crowd noise during this. It's weird because there is a crowd there, but there's sound as if there was a much bigger, ridiculous crowd. It's like watching a, a you know a WCW event from the late 90s when the crowds weren't reacting and they dubbed in the sound. Yeah, you get like the occasional cat call every once Woo-hoo. in a while. Yes, indeed. So Kirk quits his job, which I don't know what he was doing. Yeah. And he goes home with a with a woman that he worked with in his job. We don't even know about. It's a very like weird and unnecessary scene, but it leads to one of the greatest (laughs) Kurt Angle lines ever. And I'm going to play it for you right now. How about a nightcap? Sure, why not? (laughs) Another squeaky floor. Nice place. I could hang here for a while. What was that? Oh, nothing. But it is a nice place, and I could hang here for a while. What? Nothing, nothing. No. (laughs) So here's where Kurt comes in and starts smooching with her. Yeah. Yeah. 
and Kurt's pretty much his whole movie wearing a suit off the rack. Oh, yeah. That doesn't fit him well. Mr. Mayfield, are you sure we should be doing this? It's okay. We don't work together anymore. There is one scene where he's in, like, just his sweatpants, and he looks like Kurt Angle. looks awesome. And there's one outfit which we have to talk about a little bit later on the boat. God, more Kurt Angle sex scenes. People, if that's what you want to see, go get this DVD right away. Ugh. I could hang here. <laughs> so weird. Uh, so she tells us her husband was killed in Iraq, and then Kurt just kills her. Yeah, he no-sells her first. Yeah, he just, like, stands there, stares into space, then, you know, then kills her. The uh, the cop sleeps with Jenna Maraska for no reason. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. There was never a hint that there was any kind of chemistry between the two of them. It's weird. He, he comes by her apartment. He sits down on her bed, and then she's like, uh, he, he makes a pass at her, and she's like, "I thought you'd never move. You know, I thought you'd never you'd never try it." He's like, I, "I've been thinking about you all the time." <laughs> really? I'm the heartbreak kid. He's just a very emotionless actor, you know. So it's. <laughs> Yeah, and and what we found out, this guy only had um, what one other credit in addition to this. Yes, and he he shared a name with a Pittsburgh Steeler. <laughs> yes, which is makes it impossible a, to find him. A very big problem when you are a Pittsburgh actor who has the same name as first of all, his name's Eric Wright, which was also the name of Easy E, the rapper. Uh, but if you throw in Pittsburgh, then you just get the the football player. So you're never going to find this guy. I tried really hard because I thought he'd be great to to interview on here. Because we could tell people we had talked to Shawn Michaels. Yeah. Um, so Jenna meets Kurt at a bar. And uh, by the way, I want to say, he doesn't look anything like Shawn Michaels. He looks like Robert Blake. Yeah, yeah young Robert Blake, yeah. So we get uh, Jenna and Kurt at a bar. and Yes, and here's where she's there with her friend. And Kurt makes a pass at her. And earlier in the movie, when he was in the cop role... He invited her out for Chinese, which she declined. Mm -hmm. And then here at the bar, again, he asked her if he wants to go out to eat and if she'd like Chinese. Um, and there's never a moment where Jenna seems suspicious of him, which I guess was the intent. She's but it seems weird that he would ask for Chinese both times and she wouldn't be like, wow, that's weird. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a throwback to an earlier scene, but they don't throw it very well. And so it's never caught. <laughs> Uh, the police come to arrest him. I like this scene. This is the scene where he's wearing sweatpants and he looks really cool. You see him with no shirt and he looks, yeah. looks like Kurt. And there's a full SWAT team. Yeah. It, I in, mean, it's a great scene. This in is SWAT gear. Yeah. I mean, you know, for a low budget film, this is well done. Yeah. And then Kurt and Jenna go on a boat. When you said boat, I didn't know you meant like big boat. Thank you. This is really nice. I haven't been out of the city in a really long time. Yeah, it's gorgeous out here. The summers are beautiful. The winters can get quite brutal. Yeah, I'm thinking, you know, I could stay out here forever and maybe never come Did back. Did you listen when I said the winters were brutal? We could become river rats. I mean, explore the islands and run around naked, weather permitting. And they'll never find us here. So she was expecting, like, a rowboat? 
the other guys in my Because it's not a, like a gigantic boat. It's a nice boat, what. but yeah. it's not like a yacht. They're not on the Titanic. Why don't you forget about those guys for the time being? I mean, you got me. And plus, you may never go back. Cheers. It is it, such stiff acting. Yeah. <laughs> and in fairness to Jenna and Kurt, the scenes they share together are the best acting that you're going to see in the movie, which doesn't say much for the overall acting in the movie. Yeah, Jenna's lines in this scene, though, the way they come off, I'm not sure she's reading, she's saying them the way they were written. Mm-hmm. And because, uh, like, you know, Kurt says, the winners are brutal. And then she's like, uh, oh, I could stay here forever, you know, and it's just yeah. like they don't seem to fit. But also there's just this weirdness to that scene. I, I think some of that is supposed to be funny. Like yeah. they're talking about I think they're supposed to be you can see Sharpsburg on like the fire department and the police cars. Yeah. So I think they're supposed to be near the three rivers mm-hmm. of Pittsburgh. So him saying that they could be river rats and explore islands, I think, is a joke. But Kurt says it like it's a serious line. (laughs) Yes. And I I can imagine that McCartney James probably took the money for the script, cashed it, and then got out of town (laughs) before uh, before they started filming. The cop has a funeral dream where there's a blue him in a coffin, and then he turns into Kurt. Which is why Kurt should have played both roles. Uh, he talks to Kurt on the phone. And this is a weird scene because it's the the cop is in bed. It's nighttime for Burke. But it's clearly the middle of the day for Kurt. He's like sitting at a table outside on the boat and it's sunny. Yeah, all of a sudden there's two different time zones in, in that part of Pennsylvania. <laughs> the uh, The next scene is the scene with the priest. Oh, okay. You know what? I, I want You haven't... Watch this scene since we saw the movie, right? I have not. All right. Let's play a game here. Okay. We know he talks a lot about dolls in this yeah. scene. Yes. He's like, ah, there's a doll. He played with a doll. And then there was a doll. And he would always hold a doll. And he'd watch movies with Arlene Doll. And he'd watch the movie Guides and Dolls. And he just liked dolls. All right. So next time we go out uh, to uh, the taco place for, for uh, one of our episodes. Ooh, okay. Um. You know, I'll get the queso, or you get the queso, depending on who's closer here. How many no, times? That's you... a terrible bet. We got to go the whole the whole meal, the whole enchilada. Oh, yes, indeed. All right, you got it. All right, all right. So th- we're 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 what betting the number of times he says doll? Yes. Okay. Are we? Do we have an over under? Do you know, or is it? Uh, are we I, just? I, both didn't, I, I haven't watched it. Listened to it since we saw the movie. So I, I'm going want... to say six. All right. Do you want to do like prices right rules? Closest without going over. Uh, sure. All right. Well, I will say seven. All right. Let's go and let's talk about dolls. Yes, I remember. The mom and the sister were fine, but Alex. Alex was a sick boy. What do you mean, sick? Well, for instance, he killed a cat. And they found out the cat had been suffocated. And it was Jerry Lawler's girlfriend. And the strangest thing about it was, he had dolls. One. Lined up all the way around the cat. It seems like this boy had an affinity for dolls. Two. Every time I saw this kid, he had a doll with him. Three. He loved dolls. Four. And I thought that was very strange. That is strange. 
those <laughs> four ridiculous. times. So that's we both lose. Absurd. Absurd. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, but, I mean, that was a 40-second clip. He doesn't even start saying dolls until, what, 30 seconds into it? Yeah. And then he's saying dolls like every other word. There's a doll. He had a doll, and then he took another doll. (laughs) Goodness. The cops, um, the cops talk to the, the, the neighbors at the apartment building. There's like this fat guy and he's like, you smoke marijuana. And then there's an old lady and she's like, I'm friends with the director. Yeah. And she's one of the ones where we see, like, she says, I'll tell you if I see anything. And then he walks away and we see her open the door, Mm -hmm. go in. Pull the door shut, and we wait a second, and then the camera finally cuts. I mean, it's it's so weird. Mm-hmm. So we see uh, Jenna finds the pictures of all these living dolls. These are women that are you know that are tied up by Kurt, and yeah. this is a through line through the movie we did not notice till we watched the trailer after the movie. <laughs> yes. Uh, she gets tied up. Kurt's wearing a Bound for Glory four T shirt in this scene. Yeah, so, you know, I guess the character, he had gone to Bound for Glory. I guess, you know, he was a big TNA fan. I think Kurt just, and earlier in the same day, he had a different shirt. So I think Kurt just was up on set, and that's what he had on. He was like, just shoot it in this. And they were like, eh, whatever. Well, you know, Dixie probably called him up. She's like, now, Kurt, remember (laughs) you promised us that you'd give us some promotion. You know what's funny? The back of the DVD says WWE Superstar, <laughs> yeah. Kurt Angle. And he was and he had been out of the WWE for years. two years at that point. Three years, yeah. Three years. <laughs> so uh, Bound for Glory 4, by the way, October 2008, he had lost to Jeff Jarrett, but I guess he got the shirt. <laughs> he dresses up as a clown in the next scene. Yes, a real clown. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll we'll get to Buffo the clown, but first, uh, before we get to Buffo, let's take a listen to Kurt dressed as a clown. Clown music. Squeaky floor. Mommy didn't order a clown. Hello, Mrs. Burke. How do you know my name? Oh, these balloons. They're from Mr. Burke. Chrissy's dad. Oh. What a nice surprise. It sure is. He hit her. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. There he does his little Mr. Rogers line. I like that. Alright, Chrissy. I want you to sit here. I want you to be a really good girl for Buffy the Clown. <laughs> Who's the strongest clown now, Buffo? <laughs> Buffo, who, by the way, is the buffest clown I have ever seen in my life. The real Buffo the Clown plays Buffo the Clown in this movie. Yeah, and go to his website for an image of him ripping a phone book in half. Which I'm so jealous of. It's, it's an amazing skill. <laughs> So Kurt takes the girl on a boat. He kills a cop who gets suspicious. And then the the main cop, Burke, meets up with his wife because they said Mr. Burke. Yeah. Mrs. Burke. You mm-hmm. know, Kurt just said that it's not a girlfriend. And he's like in no hurry to find his daughter. And he's just repeating everything she says. Take a listen to this. And, and what happened? It was a clown. A clown. He took Chrissy. He took Chrissy? <laughs> I think it was Mayfield. 
<laughs> you think it was I'm Mayfield? So sorry I brought this home. Just find her, Dan. Okay, now, this is me. I'm running. I'm running to find yeah. him. I'm shooting my gun in every direction, just hoping to kill him. Mm-hmm. Not this guy. Slowly walking away. Now that low life is messing with my family. She's a special needs child. What? That dirty son of a bitch. <laughs> Mr. Nicotero shows up to throw out some behind-the-scenes exposition. She's a special needs child. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't I I don't get it. I I don't know. I mean, the only thing I can think of is that this was to give us some extra meaning behind him getting to Kurt. He gets on a boat. He gets to Kurt. Kurt then is like, "I'm gonna kill you." <laughs> Boom! Kurt gets shot by the little girl. Okay, kind of a twist, I guess. And then the cops like, "I'm quitting the force." Throws his badge to Jenna Maraska for some yeah. reason. She like holds it like it's you know oh yeah. sweet. And he's like, "I'm quitting the force for good and walking into the sunset." And then he leaves. And the movie yeah. ends. I'm I'm quitting the force because that's what they seem to do in all yeah every you know movie since Dirty Harry that had a cop that didn't like his job. Yeah, I mean it's very very strange. It's a weird ending to this movie. Yeah, and why not have Jenna shoot him? Yeah, it would make more sense. We haven't really introduced this little girl other than just seeing him tuck her in once. Yeah, you see Kurt gets shot from behind. He falls down, and I was expecting to see Jenna because he had untied Jenna's hands from a a knot that she could have undone herself. Uh, Yes, oh, my God. That's so funny, too, because he's just, like, slowly undoing this, and it's like – and then she stands up as if her, her feet, feet weren't, weren't tied. tied. So it's like, <laughs> why didn't you at least stand up? What were you? What were you doing sitting there with this rope that appears to be loosely laced around your hands? Yeah, I mean, from a writing perspective, the little girl killing him bugs me more than anything else in this movie, and not because they had a little kid shoot shoot a, a killer, yeah. but just because it would have made a hundred percent more sense for Jenna to do it. Yeah, or even the cop to do it. Anybody should have done it, but the little girl doesn't make any sense. No. It's just a twist for, you know, just for like, oh, look, this. why would this little girl fire a gun? And you thought it was name? Jenna, didn't you? Yeah. I don't know. State of wrestling at this time. This was uh, uh, December 9th. Uh, and on December 8th in Orlando, Florida, Universal Studios, TNA taped a show that was aired on December 10th which included the search for Jeff Jarrett. Mick Foley searching backstage for Jeff Jarrett throughout the episode. God, that sounds thrilling. I know. So these TNA tapings back then when they were at Universal Studios, if you went to the park that day, you could go to a TNA TV taping if they were taping. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. Um, I had, I almost went to a couple of them. It was always a matter of, you know, oh, they're taping on Wednesday and I was there on Tuesday or, you know, for whatever reason, it just didn't fit into my schedule. But I was there, uh, one day when they were taping and I was like, oh, great. I'll actually go to it. And then they canceled it for some reason. But yeah, no, it was just, those were theme park guests. WCW did that for a while. And I did go to some of their tapings at Disney MGM studios, which is now Disney Hollywood studio. And that was for what saturday night i think right yeah i mean yeah. i'm sure it was not the high like end their- of their broadcast because it was the one where you would see the crowd had 20 people in it yeah and they were all tourists well i my favorite wcw show was wcw saturday night oh, very nice. um, mainly because 
you were watching wrestling on like Saturday night at seven o'clock, which was really cool for me. Right. And also it was in such a small arena or small, you know, venue. Oh yeah. And you saw some really odd matches, you know, you, <laughs> you know, you know, you'd probably get the closest thing to like seeing jobbers. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you'd get, well, you'd also get, uh, who was the guy that would hit everybody with his boot? Oh, bunkhouse buck. <laughs> you'd get him yeah. every week hitting uh-huh. somebody with his boot. Yeah. That boot cost Hogan a win against, I think, every member of the Four Horsemen beat Hogan uh, in consecutive weeks one month. Yes. And it was like, I, you know, Hogan's like, as long as I get hit by the boot, I don't care. <laughs> but on this night, we got a three-on-one handicap match. Chris Sabin defeating the British, British Invasion, which was Brutus Magnus. Doug Williams and Rob Terry. Uh, mixed tag match on the card. Scott Steiner with Awesome Kong against Bobby Lashley and Crystal Lashley. Uh, Lauren Brooke and Samoa Joe and Beer Money Inc. versus The Beautiful People. Um, I don't remember any of this nonsense. But we do get Hulk Hogan appearing at a UFC show to announce that they were going to three hours in a few months. Oh, so this is when they were going to start the, the, the next Monday Night War. That's exactly it. Which so, didn't really get started. No, it was it was fun, though. I did enjoy the fake Monday Night War, but it was really <laughs> a bad idea. Uh, ODB defeated Tara uh, to keep her TNA Knockout Championship. Team 3D and Rhino and Jesse Neal defeated Matt Morgan and Hernandez and Suicide. And there was a mud wrestling match with Velvet Sky and Lacey Von Erich, who I loved watching. Yes. And and the uh, the report I pulled this from said, with sexy referee Madison Rain. <laughs> you know what we have to do at some point, and maybe we can do this with Cap on uh, OTR. Oh, yes. Um, if, if he's going to, you know have a little bit of filler on his show one week. We have to sit down and watch Wrestlelicious with Captain Marvelous. Great. I, I loved Wrestlelicious. With Lacey Von Eric. Yeah, she was great in that. She was part of the rap. Yes. We see the TNA World Heavyweight Championship title match with AJ Styles defeating Desmond Wolf to retain the TNA World Heavyweight title. Of course, Desmond Wolf appeared in the film The Wrestler, which we reviewed two weeks ago. And then Mick finally finds Jeff Jarrett at the end of the show. Whoop de doo. <laughs> Uh, AJ Styles was the TNA champ at this point. World heavyweight champ was The Undertaker, who had won it in Hell, of, Hell in a Cell against CM Punk. Uh, John Cena was holding on to the WWE strap at this point. The ECW champ was Christian, who would hold it until the end of ECW. I did find an IMDb uh, comment on this movie, and I loved it. A guy named San Ngato said... I'd like to see more movies like this. He said, I'd like to see more atrociously bad movies starring wrestlers. And then he said, I'd like a romantic comedy starring Scott Steiner next. Oh, goodness. Who wouldn't? <laughs> so this brings us to the uh, really anticlimactic question. Craig Cohen, do you tap out to Endgame? Okay, this is was one of the strangest conclusions I ever came to. And when I watch a movie, if technically they don't have things together, I don't hold it against them because not every movie is going to be a million dollar, multi million dollar blockbuster with you know tons of money at their disposal. Sure. So I can forgive you know 
you know, a bad technical aspect of a movie. I can't really forgive bad storytelling, though, and this movie has a lot of bad storytelling. Uh, but at the same time, I don't remember looking away from the screen once during this. Right. I think that this is a movie that you have to see to understand. And I got to tell you, I did not tap. <laughs> All right. Well, now I will say I can't in good conscience not tap out to this. So I'm tapping. I'm tapping hard. But I will tell everybody listening, if you enjoy this show, you have to see this movie. If we could ever do a live show for our audience this would be the movie I would want to review. I, this movie is the ultimate camel clutch cinema film. You know, we love to do good films. We enjoyed doing Nacho Libre and The Wrestler recently. But God, there's nothing like doing this. This is the worst film we've done. This is Far the worst not. film that we will do. Yeah, I can't imagine we'll ever top this, although who knows, maybe that other film. River of Darkness. <laughs> That's right. But this is just a horrible, horrible mess of a film. Uh, shame on you, everybody involved. But if you have a chance to watch this, seek it out. I, I would pay – I paid full price. I, I'm sure I paid 15 bucks for the DVD. I don't regret it at all. Uh, maybe we'll review this once a year because this movie – is totally the craziest wrestling film ever shot. Oh, goodness. And that brings us to the end of this one. Craig, thank you so much for sitting with me. I mean, a lot of people don't know this. We don't always watch these movies together. Mm -hmm. we, we usually watch them separately. But for this movie, because we had watched it together before and remembered how bad it was, we decided to get together and sit down and watch it side by side. And boy... God, it was an enjoyable experience. I wish I could invite every single person that listens to this episode over to watch it with us. Totally. And thank you to you for listening. And we will see you next time right here on Camel Clutch Cinema. So you want to wrestle, huh? You're too little. We got ushers bigger than you. Leave. I got to take a crap. We had dolls. Don't you see? Your skills plus my skills in the ring. Tag team. This boy had an affinity for dolls. How it controls is John Triton. He had a doll with him. What are you doing up there? Staying away from you. He loved dolls. No more rhymes now, I mean it. Anybody want to feel it? He had dolls lined up all the way around the cat. What's that smell? Dolls. Jimmy King! Oh my god, a four-post massacre! No one can survive this! This isn't even a pay-per-view! Dolls, 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 dolls.
Yes, I remember. The mom and the sister were fine, but Alex. Alex was a sick boy. What do you mean, sick? Well, for instance, he killed a cat. And they found out the cat had been suffocated. And the strangest thing about it was, he had dolls lined up all the way around the cat. It seems like this boy had an affinity for dolls. Every time I saw this kid, he had a doll with him. He loved dolls. And I thought that was very strange. That is strange. 